maybe if you can recognise someone in your organisation who's really poor at communicating, and this should be on their PDP for this send year. Send them this episode. episode. Just saying. Welcome to How to Take the Lead, the podcast where we challenge the myths and stereotypes of what it means to be a leader today and help you to succeed in post without compromise. I'm Lee Griffith. And I'm Carrie-Anne Wade. And together we will be your guides, questioning everything we've ever learned about leadership, sharing our experiences along the way and inspiring you to make a real impact in your role. Visit howtotakethelead.com for show notes, past episodes and to join our community. Enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of How to Take the Lead. If you are listening to this and you don't already subscribe, please hit the subscribe button. If you're watching us, hello, um, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you're listening to this and you're hearing about watching us, yes, we are on YouTube. <laughs> this gets ever more complicated. I know, I know. A <laughs> um, few other bits of admin just before we get into the meat of today's uh, episode. We're on Insta and Twitter at How to Take the Lead. So we're having some great conversations over there. And we also have our Substack community. And that is our, you get extra behind the scenes of episodes and some of our reflections post episode, a few coaching prompts, this, that, and the other. Book club starting soon. We're going to have some ask, we're going to have some ask us anything sessions. So just for that community, please be kind to us. So lots of good stuff over there. All the links that you need for all the different things we've talked about are all at housetakethelead.com. So get over there. Also in the show notes on whatever device you're listening to, we'll put all the links that you need to know. So I think that is really open and transparent communications to start the episode. <laughs> it is. It is. How are you doing today? I'm all right. I am um, slightly giddy with excitement and uh, anticipation as the we're recording this with exactly four weeks to go until I get married. It's very exciting. I've avoided thought you were going to say the loof. I thought you were going to say you were excited with anticipation of the Luther movie. But, but the wedding oh, no, is the more Luther, important. The wedding is more important. The Luther, the Luther movie's happened, but I've been <gasps> promised no spoilers, no spoilers, so I'm not going to say anything about that. Not okay. just. I'm not going to communicate about that. I could communicate <laughs> for hours about wedding planning and all things bridal and marriage excitement, but I won't because that's not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> no. It'll be on the Insta though, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. Everything probably. is content. Probably. Everything is content. So we've dropped a few hints, but today's topic is something that we're both really passionate about and that's communications and engagement. Now, I, I can probably, I can feel people rolling their eyes because they probably think we're a bit, we're a bit biased because of our backgrounds and between us. I know we don't look old enough, but between us, we've got 40 years of work. <laughs> I know. But but it's, work. Between, it's between us, definitely between us. My God, that's frightening. <laughs> 40 <laughs> years of working in communications and engagement. Um. So it is something that we're both really passionate about, but actually this isn't some shameless plug for a communications team or communications function. We do think they're really important services that every organisation needs. 
actually we're coming at this as we always do in every episode of how to take the lead we're coming at it from a slightly different angle and we want to tackle the things that happen outside of the comms function because i see this all the time and i'll be really interested in your thoughts in a minute carrie-anne where senior leadership teams put the burden of communications onto a corporate function and they don't realize they've got a responsibility um You could argue the biggest responsibility to communicate and engage with their people and their communities. So today's discussion is exploring why it's important, what a leader needs to consider and some practical tips to get you started along the way. So let's start with the basics of what we mean by communications and engagement from a leadership perspective. Carrie Ann, over to you. Thanks. I'm going to try not to waffle because there's so much in this question. Um, and I know you'll have plenty to add as well, Lee. But for me, from a leadership perspective, when we talk about communications, we are clearly, well, I'd say clearly, hopefully people will realise that we are talking about things like a leader setting out their their vision, their direction, their strategy. But I think the really crucial bit for me is, isn't just about talking. It isn't just about sharing information one way. It's also about listening and engaging. It's about relationship building with your key stakeholders. It's about building trust. It's about visibility. And by visibility, I kind of mean visibility as a leader and and a sort of physical person that you are, but also that visibility around issues like things that are important to you, to your stakeholders. Um, It's about sort of being present, being kind of finger on the pulse with what's important to the people that you're leading and being able to demonstrate that it's about approachability it's about role modeling my list could go on and on and on and on but Mm -hmm. hopefully what it demonstrates is that it isn't like you said before about that oh well we've got a team to do this and we're just pushing some information out it's it's definitely not that for me um, no. I'm sure there's more that you want to add, uh, Lee, in that space. I, th- I think that was a pretty comprehensive list. I think I think the flip side of that, it's not the transactional stuff. Yes, there are transactional things that you do as a leader that you're communicating with other people, but um, it's it more than the tr- transactional stuff that's that's happening. So, yeah, I completely agree with everything that you've said. I think it's about how you are attuned to what's happening in your organization, the context in which you're operating, how you contextualize the stuff that you're doing to that environment. Um, and you're recognizing and responding to the needs of the people that you serve, whether that's your staff, your communities, your stakeholders or whomever. Oh, you said that so, so much more articulate. Art- oh, I can't even speak. <laughs> I can't even articulate what I'm trying to say. Basically, you said that so much better than me is what I was trying to say, Lee. You communicated that far better than I did. So for me, your communications impact as a leader has an absolute direct correlation to how well your organisation performs. For me, it's the difference between a great and a poor rating how engaged your staff are, what experience your customers or your clients have with, with you as an organisation, what your communities and stakeholders think of you. And, and I think you look at those great performing organisations, they have leadership teams who communicate and connect people we serve. And it isn't just an afterthought and it isn't left for someone else to do. And there's, you know, the stats show that this does really matter. So 74% of employees expect their leader 
to use social media, for example, to communicate. So three quarters of staff, almost half of staff in the UK will look at a chief executive social media account, for example, when they're considering joining a company. And things like direct and transparent communications from an employer is the third most important factor for staff after compensation and benefits. And obviously, this matters more the younger the workforce is. We've talked about multi-generational workforces. So it's only ever going to get more more important. And we touched on the fact that, you know, communicating isn't just an outpouring of stuff that you do or the transactional stuff, nor is it about assuming you only tell people what you think they need to know. It's, it's part of your strategy. It's your brand. It tells people everything that they need to know about you. Um, and I suppose it's for me, really frustrating when you see leaders who don't understand the importance of it or they think their job is just to do a tell and sell. Um, and we see that mm. quite a lot with, with some leaders. And there's so much more to it than that. So I want to ask, kind of, why do you think it's not taken as seriously as other part of a leader's role? Oh, I've got a massive list here as well. <laughs> So you'll have to be really good at chairing before I get on one and just run through a billion things that uh, that are on my mind about this. So um, I think that that this is quite multifaceted and I think it will depend sometimes on the type of leader you are um, Mm. and the culture in your organisation as well. Um, The first thing I'll get out of the way is that bit, the point that you've already made around communications being labelled and badged as something that a function has to deliver. So I do still think there is a bit of an attitude that to communicate anything within your organisation that happens through your corporate comms function. And I don't know if that's because of laziness, lack of understanding, uh, a leadership mindset that's maybe not quite forward thinking enough, but I definitely think there is still a bit of that that goes on. I also think that... um, I'm not sure whether it's about how seriously it's taken or whether it's about um, how confident people feel in doing it. So we've talked before in a couple of our episodes around confidence, but also around sort of fear. And I think maybe if leaders are not feeling confident in what they stand for, their purpose, the way in which they want to come across as a leader, that can impact on how well or how much uh, how much emphasis people put on that part of their role as a leader in terms of communication. So it might be fear of getting it wrong and saying the wrong thing, fear of putting your head above the parapet and putting yourself out there around an issue. It might be that just physically you're not particularly confident as a c- communicator. You know, it maybe feels stressful and un- anxiety inducing for you to speak publicly about things. Um, I would partly question how you've managed to get into a leadership role without being able to do some of that, but absolutely respect that some people are not confident in certain aspects of what they see as communicating. It might also be uh, a worry or a fear about what you might hear. So if you are positioning yourself as a leader who is open and transparent and approachable and all of those things that we've said, and you're creating dialogue and you're engaging with stakeholders, that's great as long as you're prepared for what you might hear and what you might be asked to take action on. And sometimes if you're fearful about that and nervous and worried, 
it kind of stops you wanting to to kind of be that open and transparent communicator I think Mm. and the final bit I will say because I could go on forever and there are loads more things is I sometimes think it it's about confusion there being a sort of state of confusion where maybe as a leader either individually or the leadership in your organization is perhaps lacking some clarity whether that's clarity of vision clarity of purpose clarity around sort of the strategic direction that you're heading in if you don't have that clarity then it makes it very difficult to communicate in an open and transparent way and engage people and build that trust because you're not really sure what what it is that you're communicating Mm -hmm. if that makes Mm -hmm. sense so Mm -hmm. I will stop there because I could go on forever because I'd really like to hear your views Lee. (laughs) Well I don't I don't disagree with any of the reasons that you've listed but I do also want to recognise that there is a set of leaders who, where I don't agree that it's a confidence issue, I think it's an arrogance issue as they know yes, best. the opposite. Um, nice, yeah. They're, they're, there's either a power dynamic at play, they're trying to keep information, they don't want to let people know because they want to kind of keep control, or there's the sense of they think they know what people need to know and what they don't need to know and they will tell people when they need to tell them or and they just don't see the value of having open conversations and engaging with people because they've got clarity on what needs to happen and I think that that's the kind of leaders that damage the culture and and I suppose has a bad rep for, for other leaders who perhaps do lack confidence. Yeah I, I wouldn't disagree with you I think that's a really important point to raise and again I would question that need for that control and where that's coming from so is that about the mindset of that individual leader is it like total totally ego driven like you say that sort of arrogance and and potentially ego driven is it about the culture of that organization um so yeah I I don't disagree with that point that you've made that there's definitely some of that and I wonder if some of that is driven through a sort of leadership mindset again that underneath it all is actually quite fear-based because actually it's like if I give up the control and I am more open and more transparent and I engage more people and I shift I I enable others to be part of this and it shifts the kind of direction of travel for the organization like why would I not want that to happen is it because I'm frightened does that mean that I feel less powerful if other people you know are able to to have that autonomy and to support and help shape the direction of of Mm. the organization so I think there's probably quite a lot underneath underneath it if you scratch the surface of those leaders who do lead lead through just being ego driven and power centric and that age-old sort of to use that phrase is it like doctor knows best it's almost like well I know best so we're just doing it this way like what's driving what's driving that sort of behavior but that's possibly another episode in itself but you've also you've also got I mean I do disc assessments with leaders that look at their different communications and styles and stuff and you've read that book surrounded by idiots which also by Thomas Erickson yeah and and that has the the D the directive leader I I think that's a red is it it's a red it's a red in the book yeah Yeah, the opposite of me I'm a green yeah Just get out there. I'm a green. I'm a green. I'm not a red. <laughs> Doesn't mean I couldn't sometimes do with being slightly more red. 
but that's okay. But the, but the red leaders or the, the D leaders in DISC, the directive leaders, sometimes they're driven by pace and, and an impatience mm. to want to, because they want to deliver and they want and feel they need to deliver quickly. They don't think, they think communications takes time and they don't have time to communicate. They just want people to do, again, another D word. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting dynamic as well. And, and understanding your personality type really plays into how you handle those kind of things. And and I think we've all worked with those people, haven't we, alongside those people who want to move at pace. And there's part of me that can understand oh. their perception. Pace. pace. Can we put that in the banish box? The banish yes, box please. is back at, at working at pace. <laughs> Let's progress that at pace. Um, we see that in, in leaders. And I can kind of see why they would then have that. Uh, assumption that actually communicating and engaging with people is going to hold that up and make things go slower but fundamentally my experience has been what I see time after time where I have worked with people that have just bulldozed straight through and been like no this is what we're doing I don't need to engage people because it won't happen quick enough is that it gets held up at a different part of the process when people then go I'm not engaging in this actually I don't agree with this actually I'm gonna challenge this because I don't feel like I was part of the decision making process or the journey to get here and you're so reliant on your stakeholders whomever they may be clients staff whomever to actually help you reach that end result that by not communicating and engaging with them I feel like you're just storing up a problem for later on further down the track couldn't agree more and the work I do with leaders we tend to focus on three areas and I think they go hand in hand and you've touched some on some of these things already and and I think if you don't manage these in the right way, then the impact can cause real issues. So there's that clarity of strategy, which you, which you mentioned. So if you don't know what you're trying to achieve, you know, how are you going to get other people to follow you? And it's and often leaders think about, oh, well, we've got our organisational strategy sorted. But, but there's a difference between organisational strategy and your leadership, personal leadership strategy and what you're trying to achieve as a leader. Then you've got the self-management piece, and we've talked about that quite a lot in in the last episode, but understanding your boundaries, how you organize yourself, how you stay in touch with what's happening in your organization, how you ensure alignment across teams. And then you've got the communications piece. And for me, that's like the how of how you convey your strategy and how you're going to manage yourself and the the situations around you. and that's what your day-to-day work is really, what your messaging is, who you're trying to engage with, what's your rhythm of communications. And I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on that in, in a little bit so that you can build trust and reliability. And I think if you don't have those three elements nailed as a leader, then that's where the struggles really come into play. And you see that when leaders fail, because usually it's A, they've not taken people with them, as you've, you've just indicated, that to deliver that vision and strategy because they've you've marched off in one, one direction and you've not checked that other people are going in the same way and often they're going up a different hill. B, if you're kind of chaotic in the way that you manage yourself, then you create this sense of mistrust and disruption amongst people. And C, then also shows up in your communications or your lack of communications in what you say, how you say it, how you have empathy, how you listen, how you show vulnerability, how you trust. So for me, those are the three things. And that's why communications is so vital because it's the thing that underpins everything that you do as a leader. If you don't have clarity of, of your strategy, if you don't have that self-management, 
what are you communicating? So I'd kind of want to get your thoughts on that, Carrie-Anne. And is that something that you perhaps recognised? Yes. Yes, yes, it is, definitely. Um, <laughs> okay, moving on. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. And that's a quick answer to the question. But um, I think... It, uh, I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I feel like if any one of those three things is off, uh, is a bit off, I don't quite know how else to describe it. It has an impact on the other two and it mostly has an impact on that communications and engagement piece for me because I think if you don't have that clarity as as a leader around sort of vision, you know, direction of travel, what your strategy is, both as you say personally as a leader and, and organisationally, then it's really hard to communicate anything that's meaningful and engage people in things that are meaningful. I think if you are not clear on sort of how you're managing yourself and how you want to come across as a leader and how you're presenting and showing up as a leader and setting your boundaries, then again, I think it can cause that kind of real state of like what's this person all about and if it's not aligned mm. actually to the the clarity of, of strategy piece as well yeah. that, that can be really awkward so you know I've worked with leaders who are dictators and it's their way or no way um, and that's very challenging both in terms of your role as another leader in that organization um, but also for the organization as a whole um, I think that doesn't help with the building of trust I think it makes people feel you know disempowered I think it makes them feel like they don't necessarily always believe what that leader is communicating to them because I think people who tune into that level of like this is we're in a bit of a dictatorship here um just feel that sense of like am I just being told what that person thinks I need to hear um to be able to get on and do the job I also worked in organizations where the a lot of the leaders have been probably more people pleasers if we talked about the green but but sometimes you can go too far that way so there's something about wanting to be a compassionate leader and that being part of your leadership style and approach and strategy to be empathetic to be compassionate to show up as a human but sometimes if you go too far down that route without the clarity of purpose strategy direction Mm -hmm. travel actually people think you're really nice but they're not really very clear what's happening in the organization where are we heading what do we need to do to deliver this so I think there's a real balance to be struck between kind of all of those three aspects but as you say the the comms piece for me is the bit that is the kind of then how you present all of that how you're showing up how you're engaging with people and if you're not clear on if you don't have the clarity and you don't have the boundaries and that self-management piece I just think that becomes really difficult to do yeah and that's why you can't just rely on a corporate team to do it for you because it is so intertwined into your leadership approach and style and it is how you do the do of your job as a leader. And if you you kind of outsource that to someone else, A, it's not going to be authentic and B, it's it's yeah, well, B is the same as not being authentic. It's people aren't going to see... <laughs> when they interact with you, they're not going to see yeah. the the you that's being communicated through the corporate team. So then that creates that, that it breaks that trust, doesn't it? Yeah, it becomes very disingenuous then, doesn't it? And like if everything that's coming out through the organisation is, it, you know, one style, one approach, whatever, and then actually when somebody meets you 
as a person you come across completely differently that's yeah that lack of authenticity and I think demonstrates almost a lack of integrity for people doesn't it and they're like hang on I don't this this doesn't ring true to my experience so far Cat's Pyjamas empowers communications professionals to grow and thrive in their careers through mentoring, collaboration and community. I'm Carrie-Anne and I'm passionate about supporting you to reach the next level of your communications career. Book a free 30-minute discovery call and we can talk over how working together will re-energise and refresh your strategies and approach, helping you reach your goals whatever they may be. We'll focus on what's important to you right now and how I can help you take action to move forward and grow. If you're ready to feel empowered and take the next steps in your communications journey, then visit cats-pajamas.co.uk to book your discovery call. So in a bit practical, um, you know, you might be listening to this and go, well, I have a team meeting where I tell people what to do. I send regular emails. I don't have a problem with my communications or my communication style. My question to you is, where's your evidence that what you're doing works? So what's your staff survey saying? What about your customer or your client feedback? Have you done any stakeholder perception work, for example, to see what what people in your wider communities think about you and your leadership style? And just because you think you've disseminated a message doesn't mean it's been received. Then you look at your bigger metrics. So operational performance, staff morale, customer satisfaction, reputation. All of those are warning signs if they're not going in the right direction that you've got a problem with your communication and your connection. Maybe your teams aren't aligned. Maybe there are underlying cultural issues. And those are things that you can't ignore. And communications are usually at the root cause of that. And. And there is a direct correlation for me between, I suppose, the style of your communications and the channels you use and then the trust that you build through that process. So often I see leaders who overly rely on email as the way that they communicate with people because they think it's quick and easy and then they've got an audit trail of what's been said. But the research shows it's pretty low down on the trust scale. So I find it really interesting that leaders overly rely on that. But yeah, it's one of the least trusted methods when you look at what employees and people trust in terms of ways of communicating. So for me, it's about how do you vary your approach and your methods whilst being consistent with the types of messages you're, you're trying to get across. And you need to, we've, I think we've mentioned this in a previous episode, communicate a lot more than you ever think you need to do. And you might get bored with a message, but that doesn't mean that everyone else has heard it. And I say all that to say, when I talk to leaders about improving their communications, this sense, going back to our last episode, this sense of overwhelm creeps in because it's all this extra work they suddenly need to to do and they can't just rely on sending emails out or having a team meeting. And how are they going to fit it all in? How are they going to be consistent? And my my simple answer to that is this isn't an add-on or a luxury. It is part of your day job. And if you do it well, you save yourself the time and hassle, as you mentioned earlier. You know, you you sometimes you're just storing up problems if you ignore it and try and rush forward with with something. So the important bit for me is about how do you establish a rhythm so people know what to expect from you and can manage you know your own commitments in that way. So I'm interested to know, Carrie Ann, what's worked for you 
and the leaders that you support in terms of setting up that communications rhythm? Um, can I just touch on before I get into that the point, yes. the point you made about email being like the least trusted mm. uh, method of communication? And I reflect on that and think that's probably because most people know that it wasn't you that wrote it. And I'm not doing a disservice to to my own team and my own profession because sometimes that is stuff that comms teams are asked to do. But I think people know that now. People genuinely don't believe that chief execs and other leaders are sat writing all staff emails mm, about true. various different topics. And I wonder if sometimes that's where a bit of that distrust or like it's you know it's not the preferred you're not seeing the whites of somebody's eyes are you and you're potentially thinking someone else has crafted that for them and they've just topped and tailed it and ping away you go and that's like that was just my reflection as you said that but um although saying that I used to um I always I always used to have to bite (laughs) my tongue when I'd go out into the organization when people would go oh so and so the chief exec's message went out this week oh he's they're so wonderful. It's such a great message. They really understand. And I'm like, okay, by that they're me. great, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Just because I'd nailed their tone of voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyhow, sorry, we digress a little bit. But um, yeah, you talked about kind of rhythm. And for me, it is, is that consistency is key. I think it's, um, I, I absolutely agree with what you said about like, you can't, show up too much in this space in terms of communicating with your organization and with your stakeholders because just because you've said it once doesn't mean people have actually even been in the room to hear it Mm -hmm. so um there's something about that consistency there's something for me about setting expectations up front as well about how you're going to be making yourself available um to people how people can engage with you um how uh how you are going to act on the conversations and communication and connection you build and if you're not being upfront about the why not because you will you will hear things through some of this engagement where people want you to take action on stuff that perhaps you're just not going to be able to for whatever reason doesn't fit with the strategic direction of travel you don't have the budget to do it it's not a priority right now but I think you have to be willing to be open and transparent about feeding some of that that back for sure and then there's a bit for me about being yourself don't try and be someone that you're not and I've seen good and bad examples of this mostly in organizations where um, senior leaders have left the organization and people get opportunities to act up into that senior leadership space and the people who've been most successful have been the people that have been themselves and have been genuine in the way that they have interacted and communicated and shown up and that they haven't just tried to be the person that's left as mm-hmm. in like mm-hmm. the director of such and such is gone they were perceived to be hugely successful so I must just be like them as a leader that's so disingenuous and people see through it straight away and it's actually really hard work it's quite exhausting to try and be somebody that you're not so I would say there's something in there for me about just making sure you know who you are what you stand for as a leader how you want to show up and just be consistent in acting with that integrity and that authenticity in terms of really practical things it's interesting isn't it because some organizations are huge so that's where I think that reliance on email probably comes from because actually Mm. it might not always be possible quite a small senior leadership team or your one chief exec to be physically present in all the places they could be but that doesn't mean that you can't put things in place to start to try and address some of that so 
really practically like you know are you going to go out once or twice a week doing visits to teams or visiting different client groups or stakeholders externally and are you going to do that consistently and show up are you going to feed back from that are you going to feed back to those people as well as Mm. sharing that more broadly one of the things that has been remarkably well received in in my current organization is actually through the pandemic we set up a weekly webinar um, and the chief exec and all of the executive directors were on that weekly webinar through the pandemic sharing updates information hearing concerns from colleagues and responding to them in real time and we're Mm -hmm. not able to respond we're saying we'll go away and find an answer and next week this is where we'll be sharing that answer with you and uh, it proved to be hugely popular and it hasn't stopped. And actually, we're three years down the line. And every Wednesday at midday, our senior leadership team are on that webinar. If you, they can't make it because one's on holiday, whatever, a deputy comes who can answer questions about that portfolio. And it's become for our particular organisation a really important way for our leaders to be visible and accountable into the mm. organisation. And I know it's online and it's not in person, but it's in real time. People are seeing the whites of their eyes almost sometimes pixelated, sadly. But but I think people in our organisation have really valued that access to the leadership team and the transparency and the fact that actually whatever comment or question gets raised in that hour, they have to respond to. There's not a like, yeah. right, we can go away and have a discussion about how we... So, I think that's really helped in terms of that building trust internally for mm, our organisation, mm. for sure. One of the other things I just wanted to touch on, and you mentioned it actually in a previous bit of the conversation, was around stakeholder feedback and, um, you know, do you know what your stakeholders think of you? Because quite often I think we can be focused internally on our, on our own star. And yeah. actually, again, for me, that's something that feels really important and it's been a challenge for me when I've worked in organisations who either have assumed they know what their stakeholders think, so therefore haven't bothered to ask, just crack on merrily, or have asked what stakeholders think, have received the sort of evidence that tells you, and not always, the, more more in the space where it's not maybe been great, it's been something to be worked on, and then sort of gone, oh, well, we need that anyway. And it's almost like, well, if you did know that anyway, why have you not taken action to address it? Because actually now you've got the evidence that says your stakeholders think you could be much better at X or, you know, whatever the improvement thing is. It's usually in that space where there's an improvement. Oh, yeah, but well, we've known that for years. So why have you not wanted to act on it? Like, so that bit I find a, a little bit frustrating as well. So I think like if you are going to seek out the evidence, make sure you use it and make sure that you take action don't just use it as an opportunity to go oh well it's told us what we already know and then be complacent and just mm-hmm. sit on your, your laurels there's something for me about if, if you're going to be open you're going to communicate you're going to build connections like the so what's the so what you have to do something yeah. it's not just for fun and, and you you need to determine that from the outset this is very strategic because it's got to align with what your vision is, what your organisational vision is. And, you know, you don't just go out to be visible. You go out with a purpose. You have a purpose of what it is you're trying to test or what questions you're trying to ask, how it's going to inform the decision-making that you're going to take that week, that month or whatever. Um, and everything, everything's a continual loop, isn't it? It feeds into, right, and then what, and then what, and then what. 
And I think often leaders can go into this, right, I'm in the here and now, what do I have to say? And it doesn't work like that. You need mm. to have that that forward look of this is where I need to get to. This is where I want to get to. How am I going to navigate that? What are the things that I need to be asking questions about and testing to, to feed into my thinking? How am I going to double check that what I'm hearing is the right thing as well and that I'm not just taking it for granted? How do I then communicate back what I'm hearing and what I'm going to do about it as a result? And so it's a continual cycle. And I used to do um, in, in my corporate life and also now with, with my business, so I work individually with with leaders and we, we build their own personal communications and engagement plans. So we work out, well, what's, what's your narrative? Who's your specific audience? What's the evidence you're trying to get? What are your messages? What actions do you need to take and how do you measure your, your effectiveness? And, and we map out what meetings they might need to go to, what events they might need to attend, where they might need to fill the gaps with walkabouts or stuff like that. that you've, you've spoken around and um, what, their messaging and talking points for those different interventions and a lot of that can be planned in advance and then and then making sure you've got a regular check-in on what am I hearing what am I learning where do I need to adapt my messaging or my approach so it it's a massive strategic thing that you have to take responsibility I'd say before you even enter into your role as a leader you need to be thinking through and then you need to to be doing this as a regular exercise it can't be left to your PA it can't be left to say a comms team to do it for you because you've got to be proactively managing that I think um oh, yeah that approach is so important uh, that you've talked about and it just it's just made me reflect on a leader that I used to work with who used to do breakfast sessions uh, around the organization oh, honestly it's making my skin crawl a little bit now thinking <laughs> about it because it was breakfast with the chief exec, opportunity to have a frank, open conversation, turn up, have a cup of tea, ask anything, have a pastry. And the chief exec used to say before every session, uh, I'm not I'm not prepared to talk about this, this or this, though. So, what? Like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm not going to, if anyone asks about that, you'll just have to tell them as the comms person that that's, that's not what we're here to talk about. But we've built this as like, open free forum for people to bring anything they want we haven't built it as you can only come and talk about x y and z and if you mention a b and c it's not going to happen so for me it's just like that you know really you have to really want to do it and not to manipulate it to to your own means and I guess that goes right back to conversations about why why leaders don't take communication seriously and if they're those power hungry ego driven arrogant style of leader then that that's just a huge example of that like I'm but I'm not going to talk to you about this what and and what's what's betting that they've picked up that as a notion of something they should do because they've seen another chief exec do it in another organization Mm -hmm. and it's worked really well but what they haven't got behind is well what was their strategy in doing it how do they use the information what do they do next what's the purpose they've just they've taken the they've just taken the action as Oh, that looks great, and it will look. The optics will look great if I say I do this. Oh, oh, and yeah, I think the that's optics. And I oh. think that's part of the problem with when you know, I I'm a huge advocate of leaders being on social media, but I don't. You know, I'm not saying get yourself a TikTok account and start dancing. That yeah, that isn't perhaps going to meet your objectives. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
sorry. Oh, I've got the giggles now. I've got the giggles. Sorry. But it's it's about finding yes, you need a variety of methods. Yeah. But it isn't just looking at, oh well, this was successful here. I'm just gonna copy that without understanding your why. It isn't about because if you're not if you're not actually invested, as you've just said, what's the point of the point? Because there's certain things they don't want to do. As soon as it gets challenging, you disengage. If all you're going to do, if you set up a Twitter account, because every chief exec or every other leader's on Twitter, but all you do is retweet what your organization says and you never actually engage in conversation, what's the point of you being on there? Yeah. I, yeah. Sorry, we had a little soapbox moment then. We did. <laughs> and a little bit of therapy and a dance. So to, to wrap this up, because again, it's another meaty one, which we could, we could talk about forever. And, and I think you've both we've both kind of demonstrated how passionately we we feel about this and we do think it is the difference between those organizations that are truly great and those that just pretend to be um sorry that was a bit cut in <laughs> but on, on how to um, where should a leader be focusing if they want to improve how they communicate and engage with people I'm going to go with clarity and consistency. So clarity of vision, mission, purpose, strategy, organisational and personal. Uh, clarity about who you are as a leader, how you want to come across, um, you know, what your approach is going to be. Um, and then just consistently showing up, consistently sharing those messages, consistently yeah. engaging with people. They, they're going to be my, my, two, my two C's. Yeah, love it, love it. Um, mine's very similar. You need to understand that that whole no like and trust. If you're only there doing one way communications, yes, you might raise some awareness of who you are, but you're not going to build trust. And you're not going to make change happen. So you've got to look at the whole flow of the types of things you're doing, and you need to recognise that not everyone's the same. So you need to vary your approach, but in a way that feels realistic and authentic to you and your style so if you're not someone that is comfortable being on video don't be on video do a bloody podcast you know there, there are ways around it but you've got the, the seven different learning styles that everyone will fit into one or two of those different styles you need as a leader need to be showing up across that breadth because not everyone just like you personally won't receive information very well in certain ways you need to recognise that your your audiences, your stakeholders aren't going to receive everything. So just get off the email. That's it. Get off the email at the end. <laughs> anyway, that is, well, as I say, we could, we could be going on forever. Um, I know. I we, feel like that was such a whistle stop. Like, woo! I know. I'm sure we'll revisit. We'd love to hear your views on the topic, um, maybe some of the challenges that you have in communicating and what you see some of the barriers are from a leadership perspective. Maybe you feel too, maybe the, the counter argument to that is that you feel too restricted by policies and procedures in your organisation. We haven't even gone there with, with maybe some of the barriers a leader might face. So we'd love to hear what your views are on the topic. You can get involved on Instagram on Twitter, on the conversation, um, YouTube, Substack, 
visit howtotaketheleap.com to get all the various links and get involved in the conversation. And if you like this episode, and or maybe if you can recognise someone in your organisation who's really poor at communicating, and this should be on their PDP for this send year. Send them this episode. episode. Just saying. Anyway, see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to hit follow and share the show with someone you know. Oh, that rhymes. A rating or review will be much appreciated. If you're looking for some leadership inspiration, why not get a free copy of our recommended reading list? Visit howtotakethelead.com to download. Until next week, get out there and take the lead.